I'm Austin. I'm Mike. We are the test drivers. And we put tech through its paces. And what better to put through its paces than the 5G Samsung Galaxy Z Flip. Oh, Austin, yes. we're not like we're not going to start the episode of this. I promise we can get to that. But there's like I have a okay. So this is going to be maybe a slightly different episode than normal because some on my, many of my other podcasts we do something called follow up, which is basically mm-hmm. like there's a bunch of things that we've spoken about in previous episodes, and there's some new information about it, and we just kind of want to round it out. So I want to get to some of those kinds of items with you. But I did just have a thought. I want to get your opinion because I've been talking on all of my tech shows this week, right? So I, I host many shows here at Relay FM focused around technology. And on two of them, Upgrade and Connected, we look at Apple mostly. Right. And the big news in the Apple world right now is uh, Epic and Fortnite <laughs> being banned from not only the App Store, but the Play Store. But Epic and Apple are going to war and Google's basically collateral damage in it. Yeah. I just wanted to get your opinion on this as someone who is definitely clued in, maybe less like laser focused on Apple than I tend to be in my other shows. I just wanted to get kind of your feeling on like how you feel if you're siding with a company and if you are, which one. I just kind of want to get your take on it as well. So I don't think there's any doubt that Epic went into this with their eyes fully open. So if everyone's not sort of aware at this point, Epic, essentially, they snuck in an update to Fortnite to allow you to bypass the in-app purchases that, of course, you get on the Google Play Store as well as the App Store. Mm -hmm. And instead, you could pay directly to Epic. And I think it was like you got, uh, it was like a couple dollars off. You got 20% off. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Surprising exactly no one. That got swiftly banned, and they were ready. They had like this whole video making fun of the 1980 for the Mac. They were all out for it. Look, Obviously, Epic knew what they were doing. They 100% knew that they were going to get banned. They 100% broke the rules. But I do think it's an interesting conversation to have because 30%, which is what the Google as well as Apple take of everything from the App Store, is pretty aggressive, especially when you look at some of the apps that have been kicked off the store and have been really sort of had functionality stripped out because they're like, oh, well, you know what? This is okay. You can charge, throw credit cards, whatever. Oh, but that that has Hmm. to give us the 30% cut through the App Store. It's a little bit icky, man. I, I actually kind of side a little bit on Epic with this. I feel like they're the big enough company to really go in here and say, hey, you know what? We're going to shake this thing up and we're going to force Apple to, if not fully change, at least kind of get the wheels turning and try to make something happen. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you come down on it? Um, I think that, like, you know, that there's four on all sides now in the sense of, like, Epic is kind of playing a bit of a dangerous game now. Yeah. because. Uh, where we are as of recording right now is Apple have said to Epic, if you don't update Fortnite or submit an update for Fortnite that removes this functionality by the 28th, we're going to take away your developer license, which would also include Unreal, which would mean that's that crazy. there couldn't be any more updates for Unreal Engine for any developer who wants to publish an update for for like their product that uses Unreal on iOS and macOS. So that could end up being a big problem, Um, especially if this thing keeps getting dragged out. That means like no Unreal product will run on Apple Silicon chips 
for example. Oh, I didn't even think about that because I'm sure they're deep in developing that right now. Because there's no GM for any of it. So they haven't been able to build to the Xcode GM, which they would have to do. GM is Golden Master. It's the final version. So right. they haven't been able to, to build to that. And also if any bugs have come up in iOS 14 in Unreal, they won't be able to be fixed because Epic won't be able to publish the new tools. So like where we stand at this point is like almost like a mutually assured destruction type thing. Uh, yeah. Because it will be bad for everybody if this continues. But I think, you know, Apple are within their rights to do that part because Epic have broken the rules. But then you get down to another level, which is are the rules fair in the first place? And I think at this stage, they're not. Um, yeah, I believe I that Apple should be changing the rules now. I think that they've run the store the way they have for a long time and it's served them well. But we're in a very different time now. And the argument that Apple seemed to be making that like Epic should be happy that they can get to our customers is just, it's not <laughs> the same because it works in the inverse, right? That yeah. Apple should be happy that Epic make, make Fortnite for iOS because that makes Apple a lot of money. So I think it's time that things need to change. I mean, I, I can't tell which way they're going to change. I'm surprised personally so far how that Apple was really actually fighting this rather than staying quiet over it. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know where we're going to go with it, but it's, an, it's a mess. But it's just the right level of drama, which is fun. <laughs> we don't get a lot of stories like this in tech. We've got plenty of clickbait videos and mm-hmm. podcasts and articles. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a field day for us because we win no takes. matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all win because <laughs> uh, you know, like I know you love, I know you love Fortnite, but uh, I don't. Oh, I yes, don't play Fortnite. I know you especially love to play Fortnite on your iOS devices um, all the time, every day. And you know, because you love to play against the AI, I guess that they put into the, yes. the into those devices. Yeah, I mean, I can't play against real people. That's that's way too hard. <laughs> We're both too old to play Fortnite against real people. <laughs> Dude, I okay. So this is a, a real tangent here, but I recently installed Modern Warfare for, oh. and I've not played Call of Duty in a long time. So you know what? I'm gonna jump in. I'm just gonna play a couple friends online. Like, let's just do this. I spent about two hours mm-hmm. being unbelievably humiliated to the point where, like, I knew I was gonna be bad. But just how good these kids are and how old I've gotten, I'm mm-hmm. just like, oh my god! I feel like everyone's playing in fast motion right now. Like, oh, dude. This is not good. You've gotten to the age, Austin. I gave up a few years ago uh, and yep. no longer bother trying to play multiplayer shooters of any kind because yeah. it basically, if I want to lose consistently for two hours, then I'll play the game. <laughs> but if I don't feel like that, which is most of the time, then I don't play them. Uh, I just I don't have the patience to spend the amount of time these days, I think, in, in these types of games. So like, I have played Fortnite, but like once. I never figured out how to build stuff in Fortnite correctly, so yeah. Look, this is the test driver's old gamer edition. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, it's a it is a good game. I my I have younger people in my family that play it and they love it. But it's and and I appreciate it. I think it's it's you know it's it is where it is for a reason. But it's you know it's just not something that I can really do very good at but yeah anyway this is a story that is going to continue to develop probably by the time this episode is released something will have changed because like yeah epic's initial reaction to apple saying i'm going to kick you out of the store was to file another legal motion but they surely are facing mounting pressures from their developer community as well yeah but like you know epic is an interesting case because they really are the only company 
that can stand up to Apple like this because they got a lot of money. They have a hot property and they're a privately owned company because if a company is publicly owned, like if it's on the, if it's like stocks, you know, like it's, it's traded, right? Yeah, shares that are traded, stocks and shares that are traded. Shareholders would get very upset about the potential for the platform or the company being locked out of iOS. Right? Like if Netflix right. decided to do this, or, you know, like a company like that, or Amazon, their shareholders are going to get pretty upset at them. But Epic can do it because like, you know, Tim Sweeney owns the majority of it. I think Tencent own a huge chunk of it, and I think they would love to see some rules change from Apple's side too. So, oh, that's a mess, man. They're just about the right company to to go against this. Anyway, while we're talking about gaming, maybe you won't have Ooh. to eat the podcast after all. Oh, how interesting! There was a report that came out in, over a few uh, uh, sources. We got an article from The Verge in our show notes. Uh, of an Xbox Series S console, uh, no, sorry, controller. The Xbox controller with Xbox Series S listed on the packaging is a better way to say it. So this is a controller which will be used for the upcoming versions of the Xbox Series consoles. And the packaging says X and S on the uh, on the outside, with Xbox Series S being the predicted and much rumored cheaper version of the Xbox uh, that will be coming out excited. maybe this year. Because this was a conversation that we had had. I believe the original bet yep. was that they would an- announce it before the Series X comes out, something like no, that. I, no, I, I don't remember that. No, I think you don't it was, remember uh, it that way? E3. Uh, I think it was E3 2021, I think, was the technical bet there. Really? If my memory serves. Mm, I, believe, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's what I, I said. Know. That mm. seems like more than I would have uh, given you all the way uh, until okay. June of next year. We, the, the tape is there, my friend. The tape is there. Mm. We have to <laughs> check this one. But nevertheless... Regardless, I think this is going to be a, a bit of a no-brainer, right? I mean, it's just been rumored for so long. I mean, they call it the Xbox Series X. They didn't call it like the new Xbox or the Xbox series. I mean, they put that X moniker there for a reason to follow that same nomenclature that Mm -hmm. they had had with the Xbox One, right? So just to catch everyone up, if you're not familiar with the wonderful episode that we did a few months ago all about this, the Series S will essentially be the same thing. So it'll have a lot of the same components. We'll play all the same games of the Xbox Series X, but it will be less powerful on the graphics side. So instead of targeting 4K, it'll be somewhere between like 1080p and 1440p for a lot of games. It will not have any kind of optical drive, so you're going to entirely de- uh, rely on downloading titles, which honestly is probably not a big deal for most people. And importantly, it should be significantly smaller and significantly cheaper than the likely five $600 version of the Xbox Series X. I think this is really going to be where Sony has some problems trying to fight the Xbox Series X and Series S because if they go at it from the sort of the dual angles, it really could give them a big step up. But that being said, they don't really have a lot of um, games for these consoles at the moment. No, I I will say just one last thing on this Series S potential packaging. I don't know if I necessarily believe that this is real. You're still doubting? The packaging of this controller? Sure. Sure. I don't know. Okay, 
I will give you that the packaging may not be 100% authentic, but there are so many rumors. I mean, we have like the full spec list of like everything inside. Well, like, I, I believe it's happening. I just don't believe it's happening this soon. I because I, ex- I my memory, uh, my terrible memory of our bet was that they would have both of these things on sale together. I, I, I somewhat doubt that. I somewhat doubt that they will both. So we've actually now know that alongside Halo Infinite being delayed, which we'll talk about in a second, they also confirmed that the Xbox Series X is not just launching holiday 2020 anymore, but is specifically launching in November. Mm-hmm. So we have a pretty good idea. I mean, we kind of assumed that already, but essentially with the console, I think that the Series S, it could launch at the same time. If they've been able to keep it this quiet for this long, though, my hunch is that it's probably going to follow a few months behind. Um, so I would say maybe like early next year seems like the move, especially because I assume the games are going to need to be optimized for the S as well as the X. I know the dev kits supposedly have like a Series S flip, but I'm a little bit suspect that it'll actually come out that soon. But it's, it's real. It's definitely happening. No doubt. 100% for sure. Hopefully. I'm confident it's happening. I just don't think it's happening soon. But anyway, video game wars are really starting off, it feels like, with a bit of a whimper at this point because all the games are getting delayed. Like This has been a thing which has been going on for a while anyway, right? We had... I think well, The Last of Us got delayed, didn't it? and uh, Cyberpunk mm-hmm. 2077 got delayed, and that's I think it's been delayed a couple of times now. But now yeah. we're getting to launch titles for the brand new consoles, both Xbox and PlayStation, starting to see delays. Two of the big ones that I've seen in the last couple of days is Halo on the Series X and Deathloop on the PS5. <sighs> And Deathloop was one of the games that I was most excited about. Um, but that's actually, I think they're saying sometime in 2021, like they haven't even really given uh, that much of a particular date at this point. Um, yeah. So that's, I think it's like Q1 or Q2, of, Q2 of 2021. So, I mean, this game could be coming out anytime up to the end of June if they stick to that timeline, which, you know, we could look in at like six or seven months later than we would have expected uh, at that point. So that's one, right? So the Deathloop one is is frustrating, but it's not the end of the world, I think. Um, I mean, understandable. Yeah, we, and and the, again, like the reasons for these delays, by and large, are due to changing working conditions due to coronavirus, which makes sense, exactly. right? Like you've taken these these teams that are usually was used to working together. Everyone's been sent out to the to their homes. They can't communicate as easily as before. They maybe don't have the equipment that they need that they can all use at the same time like the like with the power like the power of their workstations and stuff so it makes sense that there'll be delays but halo man that is a big problem Uh, for microsoft i feel like halo has had a rough little bit because obviously i mean this is a game that was originally announced several e3s ago i feel like we saw it like two or three years ago for the first kind of teaser and with the xbox series x showcase that they had not too long ago there was maybe not the warmest reception 
to the game. And I think pretty shortly after that, they did say that, oh, you know what, we're going to rework some things. It's going to look better. And then next thing you know, like, hey, you know what, we're just delaying it to just 2021 generally. So we don't know if it's early next year. We don't know if it's the end of next year. Now, look, I, I always come down on the side that if you are spending all this time, all this money, all this energy on creating a real masterpiece game, if you need more time, take more time. I don't want a rushed game that is missing half the features because you had to hit some release date. Like if you need the more time, like I am always a big fan of that. But that being said, as a launch title for the Xbox Series X, mind you, of course, Halo Infinite is launching on the Xbox One as well. So it's not like a pure, pure launch title. But this was supposed to be the main reason, you know, you pick up that Series X, you maybe pick up that Series S, you slap a copy of Halo Infinite on it, and you've got the next gen, right? But now... I mean, I know there will be some titles, but it's looking it's looking light right now. Look, ultimately, this was the reason, you know, like everyone who's buying an Xbox Series X on day one will have wanted Halo. Of course. Right? Like everybody buying a Switch wanted Zelda, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and it will be, you know, it's Sony's Sony's lineup is a little different. I don't think that they have like the one big title, but they have lots of titles that are popular for the PS5. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't really... I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't really feel like Sony has a, like, Halo or a Zelda... Like, they don't really have that. I mean, they have, like, they have Spider-Man, they have Ratchet and Clank, right? Like, they have games that people are going to be pumped about, but maybe this is for their benefit. They don't have that, like, one tentpole title Mm-hmm. that's coming for launch day you know like you could maybe argue that gran turismo would have been it if that was the case but they i don't think gran turismo was ever scheduled for launch anyway that's a good question yeah like it's just a weird year right i mean i, of course. I see a lot of people talking about the idea that the console should just be delayed i don't necessarily agree with that that's I mean, not that's not good at all that's it's one thing to delay a game mm-hmm. to delay an entire console launch there's too much is, around it that's a big deal. But the thing is, we have to consider, we still don't know a lot of information about these consoles that are supposedly shipping in, what, two months, three months, right? We don't have the prices on anything. We know there's an all-digital and a standard PS5. We know there's a Series X and likely a Series S. But we have no sense of how much any of these are going to cost, right? We have no real idea of the launch dates of anything besides vague holiday 2020 on the Sony side and November at least so it's getting a little bit more specific on the Series X side you know what I like at this point like I keep imagining that like next week Microsoft are going to announce a two week window that it will come out in and then the week <laughs> after they release a one week window and then like three days and then the day because I think at this point because everything's so uncertain and they don't have to do it Right, mm-hmm. I think that there is an element of the two companies wanting to wait for the other one to blink first. Oh, absolutely. Before, there was sort of the hands were forced. It was E3, you have your big press conference, you show off the hardware, you hit everyone with the price, you hit everyone with the, the release date or the rough release date. But this time, since we didn't really have E3, they've been able to go at it at their own pace. And I know... like. I'm sure they have a very good idea of the price of these consoles. I would be surprised if they're locked in or if they have a little bit of wiggle room based on the other. But it's like, who blinks first, right? Someone has to make that first move. And if Sony's sitting there thinking, okay, we can sell this thing for 500 
or we want to sell it for 550 and we're waiting to see what Xbox does. And Xbox is like, well, we know we can sell this for 600, but if we squeeze down to 550, we might be more competitive. I mean, that, there's a lot of sort of mind gaming going on there. And I'd love to be on the inside of Sony and Microsoft right now in these discussions. Like, all right, what are we going to do, guys? Are we, are we locked in on this or uh, is there a little bit of wiggle room in it? Because like I really <laughs> at this point it might just be like, it's tomorrow, because like, <laughs> it also kind of doesn't matter either really. Um, yeah, we, but I think that there is also the potential question of international availability and what that's going to look like. That, that it could be trickier this time. Right? Sure, there could have been delays in manufacture. They could have different uh, volume levels that they're dealing with. Like everything, like everything else, uh, especially in technology, like. COVID has thrown a spanner in everything, right? And mm-hmm. trying to work out where all this stuff's going to fall is is wild. You know, I, I, I definitely going back to what you were saying a minute ago, like 100% you still release it this year because you're still going to get into people's Christmas lists, right? Which is the mm-hmm. reason you're doing it before the holidays anyway. Both consoles will have games and will have previous um, generation games that can be played on them. But I will say, though, at this point, you know, like, I have my money riding on Sony. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's cut and dry at this point. Like, I... Yeah. Losing Halo from, from like, day one, I really think has put, put like, a nail in the coffin for Microsoft. It's <sighs> not good. It's not good yeah. for them, for, for the launch, right? Because... For launch. They've, re- they've not got a lot going on, but but, like, I do feel that, like the launch of a new console generation is incredibly important. And yeah. if you don't have that momentum going in to launch, it's real tricky to pick that back up again because a lot of people, they've made their choice. They put their money down. And especially Absolutely. when Microsoft are coming into this on the back foot anyway, and Sony have yet to step wrong, right? Like I, people are, I know that there's like a little bit of like frustration around some of the peripheral prices and stuff like that. But ultimately like, Neither company has stepped wrong from a messaging and positioning standpoint, like they both did for the current generation. You mm-hmm. know, like like well, it was Microsoft stepped wrong, and then Sony changed tack and, and ran with it, and that's one of the reasons the PS4 is where it is. But they both had pretty good starts, right? Like there, I don't think that there's much fault you could have picked in either of them. But now, like the the launch lineup, the games that are available, like that is the important part. And they were both a little light anyway, right? Really? And now it's looking not good for Microsoft. So I don't feel great for them going into this, honestly. We shall see. Although at the rate things are going, by the time this episode goes live, we could have all the information. We have to make an emergency update. Oh, they just announced they're $300. I don't think it's going <laughs> to happen, every though. Every PlayStation game has been canceled. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. Wait, that's not funny. <laughs> this episode of the test drivers is brought to you by mint mobile the folks who can cut your wireless bill to 15 dollars a month with their futuristic approach to wireless if you're still using one of the big wireless providers this year have you asked yourself what you're paying for between expensive retail stores inflated prices and hidden fees there's so many opportunities for these high prices to be put onto you the paying customer this is where mint mobile comes in they provide the same premium network coverage that you're used to but at a fraction of the cost because everything is 
online. Mint Mobile saves on retail locations, on overheads, and then passes those savings directly to you, making it easy to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text, and you can stop paying for unlimited data that you'll never use. Just choose between 3, 8, or 12 gigabyte plans for 4G LTE data. You can use your own phone of any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same number along with your existing contacts and just ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. Now, Austin, I believe that Mint sent over a, a SIM for you and, and uh, I expect that the activation process went pretty well. I mean, it was incredibly simple. It took just a few minutes from putting my SIM card in the phone to being fully up and running. And the nice thing is, even though you're saving money, you still get the exact same wireless experience that you expect with the speed and the coverage pretty much everywhere that I personally need it. So you should go and check it out for yourself right now and get your new wireless plan for just $15 a month and get that plan shipped to your door for free. Just go to mintmobile.com slash test drivers. That's M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash test drivers. Go there right now and cut your bill to just 15 bucks a month. That's mintmobile.com slash test drivers. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right. Before I let you talk about your Z Flip 5G. <laughs> are we almost there? Are almost, we almost there. there? Uh, Galaxy Note 20 Ultra reviews are out. Um, I watched a couple. It's not really much to take away from this one, to be honest. <laughs> right? It's like, it's an expensive <sighs> phone. It's yep. got what you want. And yep. I liked what Marquez said. It's like, well, yeah, it should. And it does. Right? And I think that's like a nice way to put it. Um, this is a phone which is expensive, so you're going to want from it everything you would expect, and Samsung have delivered. Yeah, I mean, look, my initial thoughts, I think, very much have stood. It is incredibly premium hardware. They've worked out a lot of the kinks from the S20 Ultra, and importantly, it is a little bit cheaper, not by a lot, but I mean, you know, 100 bucks here or there does make a difference, especially when they're adding more features for that money. The camera bump is still borderline unusable, for me, I mean, of course, as a Z Flippy boy, I'm mm-hmm. not really a huge fan of a big phone in general, but the, the bump is aggressive. But the thing is, they've done a lot right here. And if you're spending that kind of money on a phone, previously, I was a pretty firm sort of recommendation on the OnePlus 8 Pro. I still like that phone a lot. But to me, that was kind of like if you want a premium Android flagship, that was kind of the move as far as I was concerned. And now I actually think the Note, while it is significantly more expensive, it does offer a bit more. The camera experience is a notch ahead, especially considering that you don't have some of the issues from the S20 Ultra. The hardware is fantastically premium. And there's really no major downside, right? I mean, you're spending more, but you are getting a better phone. I'm not sure if I would say, hey, is it worth that money? Eh. But at the very least, now I can say, okay, if you really want the ultra, ultra premium in the Android space, mm-hmm. and you're not inclined to go for a folding or flip phone by chance then the note 20 ultra really does deliver it's interesting to me it seems like there's been no reviews of the note 20 the standard note 20 they haven't sampled it as far as i know samsung so when i received my review unit from them it was just the note 20 ultra they may have a few units floating around but i think they pretty much want everyone to focus on the ultra which um makes sense was that what they did with the S20? I don't think so, right? No, no. I mean, to be fair, I did receive a review unit of the Ultra from Samsung when the S20 came out. Yep. But uh, I had purchased an S20 
And it came in almost the same time, like very shortly after. So we did have both to compare to. I will say that Note 20, I mean, everything I think we said last time still stands. I mean, it's still a tough sell. I will say, though, Dave2D did a great video on explaining why the Note 20 isn't the worst thing in the world. And he brought up a really good point that, yes, it's $1,000, but essentially Samsung always drop their phones on sale pretty quickly, right? I mean, the the mm-hmm. standard Galaxy S20 launched $1,000, but you can find it for seven, dollars $800 right now just a few months after launch, right? And sort of his thought was, yes, okay, they're pricing it at $1,000, but they're really pricing those sales in, and realistically, it is more of a seven or $800 phone. And I will say, if you look at it from that perspective, at seven or $800, I think it's a lot easier to, to sort of swallow, but it's tough to review a phone based on where you think it will be a few months from now, right? I mean, yeah, it will probably be on sale, but people are also going out and buying these things for full price right now. So that's a little bit of a, I agree with Dave. I think he has a really good point there, but it's also for me, it's just hard to kind of wrap my head and make a real sound recommendation for something like that when it's a little bit of a a nebulous concept of it'll be good. It'll be a good value at some point, probably. Because it's like some of the stuff that I've seen that seems really great from that new phone. It, it's I think it's un, from the Ultra. It's unknown as to what the Note is going to share, the standard one. Like the cameras look amazing. Like every picture sample I've seen looks fantastic. Is the Note 20 going to perform at the same level? Probably. I mean, it seems like it's got the same camera sensors and lenses from the standard S20, mm-hmm. which is a great setup, right? I mean... There's not a lot in it. You lose a little bit of zoom. But I mean, I would say if you're considering the the Note 20 Ultra to be an A+, then we're looking at like an A. I don't think you're losing that much, obviously, having not used it. But with all of my experience with the standard S20, I mean, it, there's not a lot in it. I, I don't think, at least on the camera side, you're sacrificing that much besides the giant 108 megapixel sensor, which ultimately doesn't actually get you that much more compared to the already really quite excellent sensor inside the S20 and I assume in the Note 20. There was something I saw that uh, Samsung have put a sound effect in when you use the S Pen, and I just wonder why they can't leave this kind of stuff alone. (laughs) Right? Like, come on, Samsung. When I went to the launch of the Note 2, which was one of my very first, I think it was the second Samsung like event I had ever gone to, mm-hmm. one of the actually very first tech events I had ever gone to, I remember I was in a room and everyone was setting up the Note 2s. And it was like, what, six or seven of us. And I will never forget the sound of that room. Do you remember the old school touch was like, bloop, 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 bloop. bloop. Yep. Uh, I feel like I've told this story before, but like mm-hmm. every time I think about Samsung sound effects, that memory is just seared in of just being in a room full of like, bloop, 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 and just thinking like, why? <laughs> just, just why? It's like it seemed like that they had stopped doing these kinds of things. And then they've added, like, I can't honestly think of anything worse than using the S Pen and hearing like a, ch- a canned chalkboard sound on a loop just going around and around. Mm-hmm. Like, Mm. it doesn't make any sense to me at all it really doesn't i don't don't know why they do things like that it feels like that it feels like samsung have gotten classier than this kind of thing now and (laughs) but yet they still kind of can't help themselves with some of it i guess they gotta make sure you feel good about that sweet 1400 you spent on your s pen equipped samsung galaxy note 20 ultra 5g i'm just never gonna stop saying the full name because it's really fun to say so I'm going to let you talk about the Z Flip 5G. 
Yes. After this one little thing that I want to mention. Never going to let you get there. Uh, so <sighs> the Test Drivers is a part of a podcast network called Relay FM, which I run with my co-founder, Stephen Hackett. And over the last few years, especially last year, we've been spending time between late August and all of September to raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. In, because September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And St. Jude is an incredible organization, which is both a hospital that treats children with cancer and is also a research institution. So they use their work to help further medicine and cancer research across the globe. Um, So like, for example, children that undergo treatment for cancer and other life-threatening diseases at St. Jude, they often need tons and tons of help, right? They need transfusions, Mm -hmm. physical and cognitive therapy. But at St. Jude, no family pays a dime. They pay absolutely everything. Um, and this is particularly like it hits home for us because my co-founder, Stephen Hackett, his son has been a patient at St. Jude uh, for his entire life. And luckily, Stephen lives in Memphis where St. Jude is is uh, located. And it's made a massive, massive impact to his family. Um, and, you know, it's it's absolutely unbelievable, right? Like the things that St. Jude have done, like they've taken childhood cancer survival from 20% to 80%. And that's incredible. They want to they go until the, their mantra, which is incredible, is that no child should die of cancer. Like that's what they want to do. And I believe that they can do it. And you can help make that happen. So if you go to stjude.org slash relay, we are coming together as a podcasting community right now to donate money. If you have any money that you can spare, please donate to this incredible institution. It's stjuke.org slash relay. We'll be talking about it again over the next uh, couple of episodes as we go through September. But I also want to mention last year, we did a six-hour live stream. It was the very first ever Ooh. podcast-a-thon for St. Jude. And we're doing it again from Friday uh, Friday, September 18th from 2 to 8 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash RelayFM. There's going to be tons of wonderful things that we're going to be putting up uh, over that period of time. So mark that out in your calendar. We'll have more to say soon. But for now, go to stjude.org slash Relay and any money that you can give will, will really go to make a difference uh, for the lives of, of children um, suffering life-threatening diseases. I mean, it's such an incredible charity. I mean, oh, I, was, I was happy to be able to, even in a small part, try to support last year. But the fact of, it seems like this year is going to hopefully be even bigger. And I mean, it's just it's just a feel-good thing, man. It's just, mm-hmm. especially with all the the stories, it's just like, man, what, what, what a good, like, we can sit here and we can talk about tech all day long and it was fun. But like, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, there's these kids who, who need help, right? And I just, it feels so much more rewarding to be able to make even a small difference there. And I'm so happy that you and Steven do so much to really support because it really just, it makes me, it makes me feel nice and warm and fuzzy inside, man. I, 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 I'm not going to lie. It, it makes me feel good. It's an incredible place. Like I've been there a few times um, when I oh, visit in Memphis. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've done some tours and stuff there. It's, it really is just an incredible institution. So we're really happy that we get to support and we hope that uh, Test Drivers listeners will be able to donate some money and, and really help us get us to the goal that we want to reach. So thank you so much. Now you can talk about the Z Flip 5G. Austin, is it different Man. in any way? <laughs> really? Look, you got me all emotional thinking about like St. Jude now. I'm just like, now oh, yeah, you can talk about again. the thing that makes you the most emotional in your life, which is your <laughs> Z Flip. Do not tell my wife. So <laughs> the Z Flip 5G is in my hands. I have been dailing it for almost two weeks now. Mm-hmm. And um, okay, I'll, I'll, well, I won't bury the lead. It's very similar to the Z Flip 4G. Surprise, mm-hmm. surprise. However, 
there have been some small and some fairly decent improvements that I immediately have noticed. So first of all, uh, it has new, two new colors. So it has the Mystic Gray and the Mystic Bronze that are, I believe, I know the Bronze at least. I think the Gray is shared with the, the new Note line. It's actually really nice. So it's sort of this like um, like acid etched finish. So it's very sort of smooth. It's sort of meant to be a little bit more scratch resistant. And it even applies to the front cover display as well. So when you look at it, it actually it is not like sort of shiny at all. It almost feels like it's a very like some matte finish. I love it. It actually feels really premium. Just skin of it that. So Previously, with my last Z Flip, I skinned it with Dbrand on front and back with uh, two different textures so I wouldn't pull it out of my pocket upside down. I actually did uh, apply a skin, but only to the back of the phone. So I put one of the gray carbon huh. fiber skins. Um, for that same thing, it's I don't know how you... You, you don't have a case or skin on yours. Are you, do the, you use I the still rock case? the plastic case because I love the purple finish that I got. It is nice, but I just couldn't stand pulling it out of my pocket upside down. Right. So right, having right. at least a texture on one side is really nice. But honestly, the way, I mean, I'm, this is probably going to be a bad uh, demo, but just listen to this. Can you hear that? I can't hear anything. Can oh, okay. Just imagine okay. beautiful, smooth, clean glass that's right. just a little bit grippy. I need mm. to ask you a second, mm. Bellas. Okay. In what world did you think the sound of smooth glass would come through on the <laughs> microphone? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not a professional podcaster, right. Mr. If, Mike. If there was I've maybe done some kind of like, texture to it, <laughs> like maybe that would have worked. Right? Okay, well, look, if I put it up to my ear, I can hear it very slightly. So right. I just assume through the matter. Okay, okay. Well, regardless, wonderful finish, really feels nice. The outer screen is now brighter, something I noticed pretty much right out of the box. It's actually, before the outer screen was kind of hard to see outside. Now mm. it's actually relatively bright. Um, but uh, besides that, there's not a lot. So it does have a screen protector, mm-hmm. which um, I did, did, your, uh, did your Z Flip come with a screen protector out of the box? On it? Yes, like already uh, applied and installed. No, that seems like a bad idea because of all the issues they had with the, the, the fold. Why would they have done that? So my Z Flip did not. So my first Z Flip 4G, the one I got like right on launch day, that one did not have any screen protector. Yeah. However, I heard some, some talk about at some point they started actually applying screen protectors to the 4G model. I can't confirm that, but supposedly they did. But regardless, my Z Flip 5G did come with a screen protector applied, which I have left since I'll take all the protection I can get. But uh, that's there. So I know previously mm. they had like some program where you could like take it into like a Samsung store and they would apply it for you for free. But like I never, I mean, there's no Samsung stores around me. So what, what kind of screen protector is it? I assume it's plastic. I have no idea to tell. I mean, you can definitely see like around like the hole punch that they sort of, it's sort of it's cut around that. Could you peel it off? I don't want you to, but yes. could you? You could. Yes, All right. I could. Yes. Uh, it, I mean, it's very well applied, right? So I'd have to use like the little hmm. uh, the hole punch to be able to peel it off. I could. I've left it on there. It has not gotten scratched up at all. And like I said, I mean, I'll take any protection I can get, especially since that I know this Z Flip is going to be living in my pocket for a lot longer than the last one. But it's Who knows? a Z Flip. Okay, look, Mike, let me let me let me pitch you on why I'm not a complete lunatic for buying another Z Flip. All right. Good luck. The new color is nice. All that kind of stuff. But there are two major new features that actually do make my life as a Z Flip gang member slightly more enjoyable. Okay. Number one, 5G and Wi-Fi 6 are actually nice, right? Yeah. So it is only sub-6 5G, to be fair. So you don't get those crazy millimeter wave speeds. But those are a little bit harder to come by. I actually, just yesterday as of recording the podcast, I 
installed a bunch of drivers and a game on Steam and a bunch of stuff tethered from a computer on oh, my Z Flip 5G. I'm not going to lie. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> You're putting yeah. drivers on the Z Flip? What are you doing? <laughs> but it was, okay, you were tethering. All right. Yes. I was getting like 70 megabits down, which is not insane, but certainly really respectable speeds. And I was away from any kind of Wi-Fi or Ethernet. So that actually legitimately saved me. Does that have 5G speed though? Okay, so... At least from what I've tried, a lot of the sub-6 5G speeds here in the U.S. have been, like, really good 4G speeds, right? It's not a huge step forward, right? It's better, right? So uh, can I uh, bequeath upon him my 4G Z Flip? Mm -hmm. So we were side-by-side, and I was getting about 20 megabits per second faster down compared to him. So an improvement. A small one, but an improvement nonetheless. Wi-Fi 6 is also included here, which is nice. So we have, uh, as you as you know, when we have our studio spaces here, we actually have two different Wi-Fi networks when you go across the halls. Yeah. And I've always had a problem where devices in one would grab the Wi-Fi in the other hall and be really slow and be almost unusable and I have to like manually switch it. With Wi-Fi 6, which we have Wi-Fi 6 at the office, I can get full coverage on both offices without having to switch networks. So some small but noticeable quality of life improvements. The main thing, though, is that it's a little bit faster with the Snapdragon A65. It is noticeable, but uh, slightly. Look, the Z Flip 5G is just the same phone, but like plus 10%, I think is the best way I could describe it. I, I don't like, you know, things happen, they go the way they go. This really should have been the first one. Yes, right? 100%. But as we've said before many times on this show, like the 4G phone is like a great, it's a great package. I mean, it's yeah. expensive, of course, right? Like how much is the 5G? So the MSRP on the 4G is $1,380, and this uh, 5G model is $1,450. So $70 more. How expensive is that Z Fold going to be? Got to be over two grand, right? Absolutely. There's no way that with all the stuff that they put into that phone that they're going to cut the price. If they do, I mean, look, I think they could do it. The thing is, they don't need to do it. And I think that they very much made the decision, you know what? No, we're not going to go for a cheap model. We're going to go for the absolute all-out, crazy-town, max version yeah. that you can possibly build. I think, if anything, they've tried to make it look and feel more premium than the first one, mm-hmm. even. Uh, Absolutely. And they're going to charge that price for it. I mean, like, look, their regular, quote-unquote, regular phones start at 13. Not start, but, like, they have models at 13. Yeah, now. yeah. Like, going to two grand for a, for the Fold is probably what they're going to do. I'm intrigued about how they're going to deal with the Fold. Um, when are we getting yeah. more information about that? It's soon, right? Very soon, yeah. So sometime so, in September, I think? The pre-orders are actually already live. Or sorry, no, the the pre-pre-order. You can't actually put money down, but you can get on the list to yeah, pre-order, I like think, the is the first way that time, works. I think, yeah. So yes, you can reserve now. But when I try to reserve now, it just is like, basically, you can put your reservation information in, and they will email you when you can actually properly purchase the phone. Yeah, pre-re- so. Pre-registration. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's fine. Because I don't know why, but like they didn't want to give the price yet. Uh, I get that. Like as well, like they probably didn't necessarily want to overshadow the note mm-hmm. with the Fold Two. Um, yeah, Z Fold Two. Uh, after the very successful Z Fold One that we all know very well. <laughs> uh, that is a. I mean, that's a beautiful looking. Phone. I'm looking at their webpage now. Like it's a beautiful looking phone. I reckon two. It's got to be two grand. Right, it's got to be. It's, two it's absolutely got to be. It's absolutely got to be. 
but you know it's fine. It's fine. We can look. We can we can kind of window shop. But as long as we stay true to the Z Flip gang, we will all be safe and sound and sleep well at night. Don't think about abandoning me, okay? We're Z Flip gang no, members. No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. Don't worry. I I have. I will. I will state clearly on this show right now that I will not be getting the Z Fold two. Excellence. Excellence. It looks very beautiful, but so I don't necessarily think that that is the form factor for me. Mm-hmm. There is another form factor that I'm more interested in, actually. Oh, really? But we'll talk about that after this break. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience, no matter how good your content or how effective your marketing. They're going to bounce if your website loads too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how your website performance issues could be affecting the experience of your visitors so you're able to take action before you're impacted. How your visitors experience your website will differ depending on the browser device and platform that they use, so you want to be able to identify how people are experiencing your website so you can make informed optimizations to deliver a great performance experience to anybody who comes and to the people that matter most to you. And frankly, trying to measure this stuff on your own is an absolute nightmare. And that is why you want to use Pingdom's, uh, their technology, because their real user monitoring is event-based and it's built for scalability. You can monitor millions of page views about compromising the fidelity of your historical data, breaking the bank in the process, or having to build some kind of wild server farm somewhere. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now and you can get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code TESTDRIVERS at checkout and you'll get an amazing 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. Surface Duo. Oh, yes, my Came friend. out of nowhere. <laughs> it's crazy because this phone was announced a year ago, right? I mean, they had the Surface event. Was that a year ago? I It was toward the end of last oh year. Actually, Lord. that was one of the ones that Ken went to. And I like usually go to the Surface events, and I know I was busy at that time. And Ken comes back. He's like, oh, yeah, I did a video. I'm like, oh, what was there? He's like, everything. I was like, no, I can't believe I missed it. But the Duo is coming very, very quickly. So they've already got it. Actually, it's you can pre-order this thing right now, I believe, right? Well... Uh-oh. People what can. Well, what's what's that supposed to mean? If you live in good old USA. 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 It's the USA. one time I will permit it. Yeah. I, I, look, <laughs> I don't know exactly know why they're doing this. Of course, there are a million reasons why they may, but it's a it's US only for the foreseeable future. That Microsoft have not announced any um, international availability or any indication that there will be mm. international availability. That's kind of crazy to me. I don't actually yeah. totally understand why that is. So, yeah, I can right now, I can pre-order at the moment. I expect they just don't have that many at the Mustangs. So, okay. So, the Surface Duo, if everyone is not intimately familiar with the many, many, many Surface devices, is the Android-powered dual-screen Flippy Boy. So, mm-hmm. unlike something like the Z Flip or the Z Fold which has a single display that is sort of folded in the middle. This actually is just two separate displays with a very clever hinge and two incredibly thin like kind of halves of the phone yep. come together. The thing with this phone that really surprises me is how thin it is. So it is less than 10 millimeters thick, closed, 
right? It is significantly thinner than something like a Z Flip or a Galaxy Fold, right? And the main advantage there is that because, yes, you do have an actual sort of gap in between the screens, but they can really get that hinge to be incredibly thin. And when you have the phone open, I would wager, and I haven't checked this, so I'm just going to just speak completely off the cuff right now, but I would wager this is one of the thinnest phones as far as smartphones go, period. I think it's like 4.9 millimeters thick or just something just like obscenely, obscenely thin. I'm really excited to actually get one of these in my hand and see how it actually just feels because the hardware looks so cool. So my favorite statistic is that the iPad Pro is the thinnest iOS device ever made, which Mm. is 5.9 millimeters. So it's thinner than the (sighs) iPad Pro by millimeter. And that's significant. Yeah, you'll feel that. Like, I, it really is astounding to me from a hardware perspective what, what Microsoft have pulled off. Like, again, the experience, we don't know what it's going to be like yet. But the way mm-hmm. this thing looks, the technical specifications that they've been able to pull off, like it's only, it's only a millimeter when closed thicker than an iPhone. That's crazy because... As a sort of someone who's been using Z Flip, like obviously I really appreciate the fact that the footprint of the phone is pretty small, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still, I mean, you know, it's basically you take a normal size smartphone, maybe slightly thinner one, and you fold it in half, right? I mean, it is significantly thicker. And the fact that they've gone for a larger footprint, obviously you've got when you unfold it, you've got that sort of iPad mini sized or roughly sized display. When you fold it up, you're not getting that extra thickness. I, before really seeing the final specs and kind of obviously having not really gotten hands on it yet, was a little skeptical. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm not really a huge fan. I feel like something like the the fold seems like it's a better solution. But seeing the compromise of having a little bit of a gap between the screens being outweighed by how thin and how sort of sleek they've made this hardware, sure, it's not going to match that fold on spec. It's not going to match it on sort of the 120 hertz and 5G and better cameras, which they're all, you know, significant advantages. But I think Microsoft, they actually might be on to something here because there's something about this hardware which really does feel next level in a way that... It's a very different view of the future compared to what Samsung is going after with their folding phones. Because this is the, the, the thing about folding phones in general right now, which is we're in a time period where it's a little bit Wild West mm-hmm. because nobody is really, nobody's 100% sure of what is the right approach here, right? So we saw the Galaxy Fold, which was the first one, and we saw the Huawei, right? Uh, Mate X. They both were very different. And don't the, forget the Royal FlexPi. Royal I mean, FlexPi. That was a, how can I forget an that? An incredible, incredible device for but many like, reasons. Even the, the so the Mate and the Fold, they folded in different directions, right? So mm-hmm. like the main screen folded in on the the Samsung and out on the Huawei. And I think it's been proven at this point that like the main screen folding in is the best thing to do for durability reasons. Like yeah. the actual fold needs to go in what is known as a valley fold in origami, Austin. Is that? Oh, interesting. So you have mountain fold. Oh, is it mountain? Mountain fold and valley fold. Oh. So the mountain, it goes up, so the screen's on the outside. The valley, it goes in, so the screen's on the inside. That's how you can apply origami to like actual folding of paper to to screens. That's a nice way to, to remember it. But we don't really need to talk about that anymore because all folding phones fold inside because that has been the, proven now, right? That's how it should be done. 
But so you have the the Galaxy Fold, and it was like, ah, the outside screen is not that great. It increases the price so much. Then we got the flip phone, like the actual flip phone return. Mm -hmm. And so it really, like we said this on the show, I stand by it. Like between those two devices, the Z Flip is the more compelling product because it's taking a phone and making it smaller rather than taking a tablet and making it smaller. And yeah. for what you're carrying around in your pocket and using daily, the Z Flip makes more sense. But then enter Microsoft. And the Duo was shown off alongside the Neo. The Neo has been in delayed seemingly indefinitely as Microsoft's reworking the version of Windows that was going to run on that thing. Yeah. A lot of people, including ourselves, assumed that that also meant we weren't going to see the Duo anytime soon. Microsoft weren't completely clear about that and then surprised everyone by releasing it, right? Yeah. Um, and it's $13.99 for the 128 gigabyte version, which, you know, when we talk about some of the other phones that are at that price point, seems pretty good. But then you start to get... In- Cheaper than Z Flip. Yep. But then we start to get into some of the interesting parts of the design. So when you open it, you've got two screens put together. There's a there's a very visible hinge in the middle, but I believe like that you... I would be able to ignore that uh, personally if, if I was using mm-hmm. something full screen. But it really seems like that. I was actually really happy about this. Uh, Microsoft produced a press demo, which I assume you. Oh, so good. Were a part, we, did you get to see that when it was happening? Yes. So that was the pre brief I had. So I right. was watching it live. It's so good. Panos is. I mean, so I'm actually really happy because they posted it on YouTube. They did. So I watched the entire thing. It's so good, right? Panos is, without a shadow of a doubt, my favorite presenter in technology right now. Because I don't think anybody has the passion for their product like he does. This guy, every time he talks, it feels like he could cry. Like he cares so much. Like, and I don't mean this in a like to be like to make fun. Like that yeah. is the level of passion he has for his products. Like, so when I see him talking, I really believe that he means everything that he says, you know? Yeah. And I think when you watch the the presentation, obviously this is an unprecedented time for sort of doing these tech demos. Everyone's doing them in different ways. Obviously with WWDC, Apple went full on movie mm-hmm. mode. Samsung went a little bit of a, a different approach. But with this, it was like, it was live. I mean, Panos is literally like directly talking with the camera. You can tell that like, as someone who has done a couple of these sort of things, I've done like sort of briefings off of scripts. I've done them off of bullet points. I've done them completely off the cuff. And you can tell that Panos is not reading a script, right? Like he maybe has like uh-uh. a couple of like bullet points, but he's really speaking from the heart. It's great. Like those moments where he's like, he's talking to the camera and like, oh, wait, do you see the reflection? Like, yeah, you know, we thought about doing this recorded, but now nah, we're just gonna do it live. So here you go. Here's the demo. Like, Dude, like it just feels so much more authentic. It feels like you're watching like a real video and not just some executive coming out and going, with our limited edition revolutionary technology, et cetera, et cetera. It just feels so just genuine. It's hard not to want to root for them. He feels like the only presenter I've seen do a tech presentation that just felt like the same way that he would present it if he was doing it to a room of 100 people in it. Yeah. Like when yeah. he showed off the Duo and the Neo, 
this was the style, right? It felt just like this because it felt because Microsoft do these these briefings in kind of an intimate setting, right? That's kind of how they do mm-hmm. it. Like they they seem to they don't do like stadium seating and stuff. Like I remember with the duo with Neo, like you could see the back of people's heads who was sitting right in front of where he's standing, right? Like they seem to bring the press in, and because I think that that fits Panos's style, and like similarly, like he was. If I, you really should watch this video, by the way. Like I put it in our notes. Like it's a fantastic. It's like half an hour long, and it really is incredibly engaging. And he continues to make this product look incredibly compelling to me. Yeah. It feels like a new thing because it is the first product with this form factor in a complete package because like i know lg have their like case that has an extra screen on it but that's very much an add-on experience but this is like you know because the the thing about this what makes this product different right is you have the two screens in like a book but you can flip it all the way around and use it like a phone yes and when flipped all the way around it's not super thick because we've already been through that how thin the product is when it's flipped all the way around for me the only knock on this hardware is the bezels so they spent a lot of time talking about how they put the two displays together they perfectly synced them up to be pixel accurate aligned they're sort of they had to do a lot of calibration to make sure that the touch sensor you know if you're taking your finger from one screen to the other that's all matching the color calibration is there and when you put it together it's like an 8.1 inch oled display i will say i don't really mind too much obviously having not used it but you actually have kind of like two things so like you have the top and bottom bezels and you have that little sort of bit in between the screens so it it does if you look at it just you know square on look a little bit old school but if you look at it sort of as a whole with everything else they've done and how thin it is and how nice that hardware looks i i don't think it looks so bad it's not not terrible it's not terrible but it does make it look older Mm-hmm. I think I think that's the problem, and, and this is something to remember. What what chip has it got inside? Do you know? <sighs> okay, so yes, it is a Snapdragon eight fifty five, aka last year's Snapdragon, aka yeah. like what the Z Flip four G shipped, like mm-hmm. the only phone that shipped with it this year. Now the Surface Duo is along with that. That also means there's no five G, um, which at fourteen hundred dollars. Uh, look, I have a theory about this. Right, this is really their first major foray into Android, right? I mean, obviously, Microsoft make Windows. You may have heard of it, right? Android, I think, is a not like necessarily a new thing. I mean, they've obviously spent a lot of time, and we talked just recently about how much they've worked with Samsung to really optimize so many of their apps to work not only well on Android, but specifically on Samsung devices. And obviously, all of that comes across. They did a lot of customization work. So essentially, they have some really interesting software features so that if you're, say, on, you know, you have the, the phone open, right? So you have both screens. You know, you're, you know, scrolling through on one screen. You happen to open up like a a link from a text or whatever, it will automatically throw it to the other screen or vice versa. There's some sort of intelligence going on to decide when they sort of take you away from your current experience on the display and when they can put it on to another screen. And a lot of the Microsoft apps have been optimized so that, you know, if you're in OneDrive and you open up the phone, boom, it will suddenly open up and you'll have kind of like your photos on one side and your file structure on the other, on the other whatever the case is. Mm. But my assumption and sort of the vibe I get from this, the Surface Duo looks great. I don't think this is going to be very many people's main and only phone. No. This feels like it is the perfect device 
for someone who is, you know, an enterprise customer or someone who really wants like that next levels, Microsoft, you know, ecosystem experience, they're really into Surface. And they're going to carry a Surface Duo alongside an iPhone or a Samsung or a Pixel in the other pocket. It feels like the phone you get issued to from work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is like a legit thing that happens for a lot of people. But if, I mean, obviously this is the route that Microsoft is going to push. I mean, because they're showing the Microsoft ecosystem, right? Like if you're in the Microsoft ecosystem, they have added in a bunch of additional experience features into this product that they've been building for Android, their Android devices, right? So they can put it all together and they seem to have tied it all together really nicely. Like they showed that they have like a feed, reminds me of the BlackBerry thing, but they have like a feed that you can swipe in from the side. And if you use Outlook and Teams and OneDrive and all that stuff, like they can pull it all together for you and give you like a, this is what's going on in your life today. And it did make me think like, oh man, the one, like whilst it's not perfect in a lot of ways, if you're in the Microsoft ecosystem, like, oh yeah, you're like, if you can be in that ecosystem, it does look like it ties together really nicely. So like, it, you know, and if you're in that ecosystem, this device seems pretty fantastic yeah. for you as your work device. Because it really looks like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, hmm, I feel like I could get a lot done on that machine. Yeah. It really does more than anything else that I've seen feel like the halfway point between phone and tablet. Absolutely. I, so this is a tough one because like, I am on one side irrationally happy and excited to get my hands on one of these and hopefully I will be able to maybe by the next episode. But it looks really cool, right? And I'm sure that I'm going to play with it. I'm going to think it's awesome. But it's tough to look at this as a $1,400 phone as a real sort of daily driver device because on top of the somewhat lackluster specs, it's a little old, but it's not not like deal breaker stuff. But it only has one camera, which is a front-facing slash rear-facing camera based on how you fold it. Um, I think the telling thing was uh, during the the live q and I, I had asked about the camera and like, oh yeah, it does like video and like portrait mode and they moved on. I was like, hmm, that's not really reassuring uh, that this is going to be a particularly great camera experience. It's a, I believe it's an 11 megapixel sensor, mm-hmm. but I mean, just looking at how thin the phone is, it is almost certainly going to be a lot closer to a front-facing camera that you would expect on like a, you know, iPhone or something than anything you get on, I mean, I would say not even just flagships, but I mean, even something like the, the Pixel 4a or whatever, even cheaper devices. I don't think it's going to be a particularly impressive camera experience. And that, I think, is a deal breaker as far as a true daily driver device that you can yeah. really just, you know, you can't get away with. I mean, and I, I don't want to judge it too harshly. I, I haven't tried it yet. It could be great. But everything I'm seeing and hearing so far makes me think that this is going to be a very kind of mediocre to okay camera. I think, like, just think about the way that they have treated this camera, right? Where it is yeah. on the device. It is a front-facing camera. That's all it is for. Because yep. the camera is not on the exterior, right? Nothing on the back. You can't actually, like, you would have to turn it around and then you could look at the other screen and take it. This is a front-facing camera. That's what it's for. It's a video conferencing. Like, this is not for Instagram. I mean, look, they're obviously going a little bit more conservative with this launch, right? I mean, it's not launching outside the U.S. for one. It's $1,400. I assume that the quantities will be pretty limited. They probably don't expect to sell, you know, millions of these things. Mm -hmm. And for a certain 
crowd, I think it is going to be very popular. And I'm really excited to try it. And honestly, I feel like both of us could potentially get good use out of this as our second phone, right? Alongside an iPhone or a Z Flip or whatever the case is. But there's just enough compromises and a large enough price tag that it gives me a little bit of pause to say that this really will truly be able to be your daily driver. Because it's just, I don't know, it seems good. I I just, I don't know. I'm not 100% convinced just yet. Who knows? Maybe I'll get my hands on it. I'm like, oh, you know what? It's totally fine. I love it. I'm sold. Z Flip, lame flip. I, that, I'm never going to say that. I couldn't even put say that with a straight face. But it's beautiful, though. It's such good hardware, man. It's such a good like. like no matter what, no matter what, bravo to Microsoft for producing Absolutely. this this hardware. Like, no matter how it performs, no matter how useful it might actually be, the the hardware design of this thing is fantastic. And from a software perspective, they beat Apple to app pairs. Yeah, yeah. And that's there's a lot of nice stuff on the software yep. side. They have yep. also, I believe, committed to three years of Android updates, which is, which awesome. is great. Yep. Um, and sort of some of the rumors I've been hearing, I believe they actually they I think they had outsourced some of the software development to a separate company. I think they actually mm. just brought that company in house uh, pretty recently. So mm. it sounds like this is a serious project that they're going to be fully supporting. And I assume that there's a Surface Duo two somewhere deep in the in the Microsoft labs. But it's it's exciting. It's cool, but is anyone going to be buying a Z Flip or a Z Fold and cross-shopping a Duo? It just seems like it's a very different market. No, they're different products. They're completely different products. It's like this is the thing. Like We're saying foldable phones and folding screens and stuff. Like We're getting to the point now where things are becoming quite distinct. Like I don't even think people should be cross-shopping the Z Flip and the Z Fold. Like So different. You yeah. should know what form factor you want rather than trying to pick between the two of them because they're incredibly different devices. Like the yeah. Fold, uh, I would love to be proven wrong, but I, do, I, I don't believe that the Fold is a daily driver phone still. For some people, I think it will be. Just not for me. We'll see. I mean, it's all about that front screen still. Like, is that how usable True. is it? Because it's still like a, a, a awkward size, I think. I'm, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very, I'm looking forward to finding out that question. But for me personally, like if you said to me, hey, Mike, you can buy one of these, which one would you buy? I would go for the Surface Duo because there's just something about that hardware which is more mm. exciting to me. Like, you know, the fact yeah. that you can put it down on a desk and fold one side up or you can put it in that little tent shape, right? And you could watch video. Like, it feels like a very clever way of dealing with these two screens. And I'm really intrigued to see uh, some reviews from it to see like how how is this thing faring. So I'm hoping we'll get that within the next couple of weeks, maybe before the next episode. I think when you look at all the stuff that's come out this year, we're going to look back on 2020 as an absolutely incredible year for smartphones. Between yeah. the Flip, the Fold, the Duo, I'm sure will be some great looking new iPhone designs. Like I think it's really easy to kind of get jaded by like, oh, look at this thing, this thing, this thing. But I think we're really seeing the groundwork being laid this year for what phones are going to look like over the next decade plus. As a very famous rapper once said, what a time to be alive. I think some other people said that too. But I think a lot yeah. of people said that. But like, probably, I get, you're right. Against all odds, 2020 is going to be a great year for smartphones, I think. I think At you're least right. it can be a great year for something. Yep. 
This episode of The Test Drivers is also brought to you by Hover, one of Relay FM's longest-running sponsors and a new sponsor for this show. When you have a big idea, where do you go? For so many entrepreneurs, for so many creators, Hover is that big leap because your business starts with a great domain name and that is what Hover has for you. They have over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. That's like the dot whatever, right? So you go .com, .co, .net, but they also have all of the new ones, right? So whether you want like .shopping, .diamond, I don't know, whatever it is you're looking for, Austin, they've got it for you. So no matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for you. I'm waiting for that project with Hover. They have the very best technical support to answer any questions that you may have, and they are dedicated to getting you online with a great user experience, super fast, without upselling you. I had problems before I found out about Hover with like having to go through a million screens to make sure that I could actually try and get my domain registered. Hover's not about that. They have a very clean user experience and user interface. They give you free who is privacy, so this means that your information Information isn't shared, so like the bad guys won't get it, right? People can find out your information with other registrars, or they charge you to get that who is privacy. Hover includes it with every domain that supports it. And they have monthly sales on popular top-level domains as well. It's super easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses, including myself. Every time I think of a new business idea or I have a new project that I want to work on, the first place I go is to Hover because domain names today are as important as just a name for your project or business, right? Because if you can't get the domain that you want, you can't have the website presence that you want, people aren't going to find your stuff. So you should use Hover like I do. We know that you love great user experiences. That's not a thing that I know all test drivers listeners share. You want things that work just straight out of the box, so you're going to love Hover. Super simple, clean, and easy to navigate. Buy your domain today and start using it immediately by going to hover.com slash test drivers, and you can get a 10% discount on all new purchases so buy that domain start using it today at hover.com slash test drivers our thanks to hover for their support of this show make a name for yourself with hover my friend i want to talk to you about mechanical keyboards mm. so i feel like we've actually both been on a sort of parallel track about this subject this year because we've both actually recently gotten way more into the very deep world of mechanical keyboards. Mm-hmm. It's become a little bit of a hobby for me recently. And I'm not 100% sure why. Like, well, somebody recommended to me um, quite a while ago, like to try and check it out. Cause like, I'm a big pen person. Right. So like mm-hmm. I love pens and like in the pen world, there's like lots of artisanal makers and all that kind of stuff. And somebody wrote into um, to me for another show and like, oh, you should check out mechanical keyboards. Like there's a lot of that, like crossover with this hobby. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then I bought one keyboard and then I've not stopped <laughs> since. And I follow like a million Instagram creators. I have a couple of keyboards now with different keycaps and I have other stuff on the way. Like, I am getting into it big time. I wonder like if we get if we're like this for different reasons. Like why are you more interested in mechanical keyboards now? So we've actually done a lot of videos on keyboards over the years, but I've always had a pretty surface level sort of 
interest and explanation and kind of just knowledge about them. So like I've usually been pretty good about like a lot of cheap mechanical keyboards. We've done a lot of videos on those. I've known a lot of like the basic stuff that you can buy from the Razors and the the third-party manufacturers of the world. But the thing is I never really got deep onto how you can customize them fully understanding some of the the tactile switches out there, just sort of the differences. And so actually it was Ken who dragged me into it. So he's been sort of, I think alongside with you, kind of really going deep on the mechanical keyboards. He started customizing things. He's like, dude, we got to do a video really kind of breaking it down so to let you actually truly try all of these. So he got a ton of keyboards and we did a whole video of just trying a ton of them back to back. And for me, while I don't think I'm quite as deep as I think I ultimately will be, it's a really fun experience to actually be able to tweak things because it's one thing to just go buy a keyboard, click, click, clack, 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 sweet, whatever. But when you actually get to start really customizing it to your exact preferences and kind of understand like what you're looking for and what you really appreciate out of a keyboard, I think to me it's something that like, oh, you know what? This is something I need to take way more seriously because there's really a lot of depth here and kind of just getting it just the way you want. And especially kind of talking about the pen thing. I mean, look, I'm, I feel like I'm, not ever far away from looking at a pen going, hmm, hmm, Mike, uh, what was that? I can help. <laughs> yeah. But so what actually are you using? So you said you have a couple of keyboards. Mm-hmm. Are they like just off the shelf? Have you customized them at all? Like what are you using right now? A little bit for, for both. So I use, I have two keyboards that I'm using uh, basically on a daily basis. One is called the Digma Rays, D-Y-G-M-A. This is a ergonomic mechanical keyboard. So it, the keyboard is, can be split in half. Oh, okay. What I like about this one compared to some other products that I've seen is you can also like click it back together and it's like a just like a regular keyboard shape, like the rectangular shape with some built-in wrist rests. But you can also mm-hmm. like pull it apart and use it. Uh, and I love this keyboard. It's got full RGB, which I really like in, in my mechanical keyboards. This is something I like. I like to have I like to have backlighting. If I'm gonna have backlighting, why not have RGB backlighting? Right. So that's sure. something that I like. Um, and the Digma Rays, like I'd looked at a couple of products and that was the one that made the most sense for me. It didn't require me to like have to remember like what do these six unmarked keys do? Like, you know, you can get these these keyboards that you really dive into. To. Uh, and I love this one. Uh, I have just the standard key switches that it comes with because it has some keys that are weirdly shaped because it's the split keyboard, right? So like it has oh, right. like two space bars that are a weird shape, and then it has like these four keys down the bottom, which are basically unmarked. And I have those set to be arrow keys, but you can change them to whatever you want. So like for me to be able to get a key switch set for it, I'd have to get pretty particular like i'd have to start <laughs> measuring stuff and things like yeah, that and i think yeah. it could get pretty tricky but i do have um unfortunately these aren't available at the moment so like i can't really find a, a good link for it but it's a company called s craft studio who make artisanal okay. pokemon keycaps oh that's red do you have a photo uh i will send you one yeah you know i do have some pictures so i'll put a picture in the show notes but i'll find one and send it to you because i don't nice. have that keyboard in front of me right now that's at home it's not in my studio um, although I do have a second Digma Rays coming for the studio because I love that keyboard so much. Um, nice. But I have some Pokemon keycaps on it. And at some point, like I do want to find a nice keycap set for this keyboard. But the one that it comes with is really good and the RGB lighting comes through it really well. So like it, it works pretty great for me. Um, and my second keyboard, the one that I'm using here at the studio, is a Keychron K6. 
um, which is a really nice, just like a very kind of like standard shape keyboard. Um, And oh, I have Cherry Brown in the Digma Rays and Gatrion Brown in the Keychron. Oh, okay. So you you're a little bit more on the uh, the tactile side. Yeah. So the, the what I like about the brown switches is they have a sound to them, but they have more of a feel, right? So that's like the, yeah. the difference between like tactile and clicky. Like clicky is it makes a bunch of noise, right? And tactile is you feel it more. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, but what the main reason that I went with Cherry Brown, um, like I've suffered with some like RSI and hand pain stuff in the past. And I right. didn't want to, I wanted to find like the switches that had the least amount of actuation force. Okay. In like the cherry range. And that was brown. So like it, it requires the least amount of pressure to actually click the key. Cause I didn't want to ha- put too much pressure on my, uh, like on my hands and stuff. So it would end yeah. up being a, an issue for me. So that makes sense. I've tried some, uh, especially like the really, like you said, like the very lightweight style switches. To me, I think it's something that I just cannot get used to, or at least I've never put the time in because for me, I just make so many mistakes. I don't know. I guess it's the way I type, but like my fingers kind of naturally sort of rest on keys. And I was finding myself accidentally like typing as I was like kind of like moving my hand forward back and like accidentally pressing like two or three keys at once. Obviously, that's just a personal preference thing. But for me, I appreciate something which is tactile, but I always get drawn into the clack, 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 clack. It's just something about mm. that, the feel and the sound to really confirm. It feels good to me, man. Well, let me say though, right? So like these, these I'll give you a, a typing test here. Like my, the Terry MX brand that I have, it makes a good noise. Like some... Ooh. You know, it's not nothing, well, right? Good. So, yeah, yeah it, depending on the keyboard, like as well. So that was the the Gatron Brown with the Keychron, and the Keychron, the, the the body of it is aluminium, so it has a mm. nice sound to it. I think I think it helps. Yeah. So I would just say here, right? Like for people that are mechanical keyboard people, both me and Austin have already admitted that we are very early on in our process here. So yes. I'm sure we're going to say a lot of things that are wrong. Uh, which, by the way, I guess we'll just say at this point. I want, and I believe you probably do, if you have uh, any recommendations for us, the things that we yes, should please. be checking out, we want to know them. You can tweet them to us. I'm I Mike. Austin is Austin, not Duncan. You can just send them to at Test Drivers. At, sorry, I should say at The Test Drivers. Let me get our Twitter account Never handle correctly. It's very important. <laughs> it's very important. Uh, so... Because I, I, this is just like a nice little th- hobby that I've gotten into during COVID is like really digging into this stuff more. Yeah. Because it, you can really go wild with it. Like it's a tricky hobby to get your head around because it's like, oh, you want these keycaps? Well, you have to get in the group by that was six months ago, right? Like the whole <laughs> the whole process of it can be a bit, uh, it's a bit tricky to get your head around. But like I'm really trying to like spend more time working on it because it's something that i want to get more into like i have this dream for myself of getting all of the parts for a board and assembling it myself at some point oh full custom yeah like just you know because you know i watch I, from watching that video of yours i found out about the youtuber teha types oh yeah yeah because you called them out and like shot them out in the episode and like yeah. i went and watched a bunch of their videos and it's like oh man I, I like i know that this person is like a it's like an absolute professional in this but i feel like i could do a terrible job but still make it work at the end you know so like at some point there's something that i want to do but there's still so much to learn between now and then that i'm really enjoying like tinkering around and like following a bunch of instagram creators and like oh i really want to try that these types of keys like that kind of stuff like i think it's 
I really, I really like it. Like I'm really enjoying going through this kind of stuff right now. It's a lot of fun for me. Nice. So on my side, I have, so I'm actually in the middle of resetting up my new home office. So mm. I've been sort of holding off and that'll be a whole thing soon. But yes. I've been holding off a little bit on going completely deep on it until I get a little bit more of the, the setup for the desk and everything. So right now at home, I'm still using just my standard Razer Huntsman, which I've been using for a couple years now. So those, they're the very, very clicky optomechanical switches. Um, again, sort of just, just been what I've been using for a long time. And before that, I typically used like blue switches because I just like clack, 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 gamer, 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 which I know is not the most sophisticated thing in the world. What drew you to the Huntsman keyboard of interest? So we actually did a video on it when it first came out and it sort of just naturally made it to my desk as sort of like, oh, I'm just going to use this one for a little while. And then I really sort of got into it and then i tried to switch to a couple of other keyboards but at that point i was like you know what something about the feel of that razor just sort of like bedded into my brain in a way that a lot of the other keyboards that sort of had come and gone didn't now i know obviously that i mean it's it's a good keyboard but it's nowhere near sort of as high end or really it's not custom whatsoever i haven't done anything to it right but recently i have been using the mass drop or i guess it's now just the drop the control which i know is a very popular keyboard that has been around for quite a while but ken actually has a couple of them that he had started to customize and seeing kind of some of the stuff he was able to do and ultimately going back and forth between some of the loop switches and some of the non-loop switches really sort of got me thinking i'm leaning toward for my new setup setting up a control like a custom control keyboard with some new keycaps and whatnot but uh, I'm I'm probably not gonna go as crazy as the you know the Pokemon keycaps as, as cool as that sounds. I want to do something which is probably a little bit more simple. And I want to do it myself. Like I know that you can do all kinds of stuff, like not only lubing the switches and like installing foam and stuff to help control the sound. But for me, I'm not advanced enough to appreciate that. Right? It's like you know, it's like if you go out to drink like nice wine or something. It's yes. like I don't have the sophisticated palate yeah. to really appreciate things yet. And I have an idea of what I sort of like, what my preferences are, but I can fully recognize that I am very much still a novice in this kind of field. And I don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to go spend all my time and all this money on customizing a keyboard and then realize, oh, you know what? I actually don't like that. I want something else. So I'm going to try to get sort of a little bit more slowly into it and really kind of understand what I like and kind of the differences between things beyond just the very kind of basic information and the basic knowledge I have today. Do you see the image I sent you with my Pokemon keycaps? Oh, dude. Aren't they incredible? When when you said Pokemon keycaps, I thought you just meant like something like painted. So that's actually like inside. Like those are like full 3D, right? Yeah. Oh my God. They're like little dioramas basically. Like that they really are. Like these were, these were expensive. Uh, Yeah, they they, look like it. I think they're in the region of like, $20 a key or something. But to be honest, like looking at the amount of work that seems to have gone into them, like it's an amount that like, these are like true artisans, right? Like these, they are all hand assembled and stuff like that. And they just, they look absolutely fantastic. And I love them. Like I'm, it was a purchase. I'm very happy that I made, Uh, but they are, they're, they're super cool. But like, this is the kind of stuff that I'm enjoying digging into. Like now I'm like looking at getting like custom cables, right? Cause that's like a whole big thing. And then desk mats. That's like a whole big thing. I'm really like, I'm really like going into this hobby. So like, this is why like I'm talking about it a lot more because I want advice and suggestions, tips from people to give to me so I can find the best stuff. (laughs) 
because I keep seeing all these things on Instagram. Like, oh man, I love to look at that keyboard. It's like, yeah, but it was sold out like seven months ago. You can't buy it anymore. <laughs> I've got to say, if you are listening to the podcast right now, pause, open up the link in the show notes to see these caps that Mike has. They are absolutely incredible. Yep. Like, uh, the words do not do them justice for just how detailed no. and how. Like it's like a whole world inside each one of those little keycaps, man. That's incredible, man. Yeah, okay, I'll put maybe... I'll put a link in the show notes to the company. Um, they're called Scroft, but they don't have anything available right now. I I missed out on a they they did after I bought these ones. They did the um the original starter Pokemon. Nice. And I really wished I would have been in on that, but like since then, they've actually gotten um an official Pokemon license. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, good so, for them. I expect they're going to have some other cool stuff in the past, in the future, I should say. So I'm really excited to see that. But yeah. Oh, it looks like October. Oh, nice. They're going to have more stuff available in October, okay. apparently. All right. I think, I think I, I know I just said, like, oh, I'm not going to go crazy, but I mean, a couple keycaps never hurt anyone, All right. So right? Just, this, just a few. I, I'm telling you right now, this is the exact thing that <laughs> happened to me. <laughs> Basically, I, saw i started following a bunch of instagram accounts i saw someone post about these i found these and was like what more is there the rest is history and now i'm like i'm following like a million different creators on instagram i'm i'm outside up to mass drops or drop i should say their mailing list for the mechanical keyboard stuff like this is a hobby that like it can get in and it can take over mike you know i, I feel like i'm standing on the edge mm-hmm. of like an impossibly deep hole right now and i'm kind of like wavering on like ooh, the the water doesn't look too bad uh i'm afraid man i'm afraid i, I feel like there's no end to this if i if i actually jump i'm never going to be seen again 